Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app slash breadbox. O Lord my God, Thou searchest me, my heart and mind are known to Thee, nothing is hidden from Thy name. the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. We welcome you all to our Perseverance family this morning as we draw closer and closer to the birthday of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So as always, we'd like to invite Mary to be with us. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. And Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. So let's uh, invite Mary to, to be with us. She's also known as our life our sweetness and our hope. Let's turn to Mary, who we encounter in the Gospel today in the Annunciation, as we say that beautiful prayer that Mary loves most, and that's the Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death, Amen. Let's invite now to be with us our spiritual guide. Who is our spiritual guide? It's the Holy Spirit. Among the many titles for the Holy Spirit would be he's the paraclete. He's the gift of gifts. He's the finger of God. He is also known as the counselor. He's also known as the Counselor, he's known also as the Consoler. The Holy Spirit is also known as the gift of all gifts. Among the many workings of the Holy Spirit, he is the interior master. St. Paul, Paul goes on to say that we don't know how to pray as we ought. 
but the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say Abba which means Father, Abba, Father or Daddy. <clears throat> so with a lot of humility, a lot of trust, a lot of confidence, let's uh, open our hearts to the invasion of the Holy Spirit as well as our minds as we sing. Spirit of the living God, all afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Now in us, Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us, mold us, Fill us, use us, Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on us. Fall afresh on us. Fall afresh on us. <clears throat> oh, Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Faustina, pray for us. St. Teresa of Avila, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. The Mass today, you're going to notice that there are actually four of those candles that are lighted. And those four lighted candles are symbolic of the fact that we enter into the fourth Sunday of Advent. This Thursday will be Christmas Eve and then Friday we'll be celebrating Christmas. If you look at those four candles burning bright, you might think about Jesus Christ who's the light of the world, but also you're called to be the light of the world in a smaller way than Christ of course, but Jesus said, I'm the light of the world then he went on to say that you are the light of the world. What are four, four ways in which we can prepare for the birthday of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Because the celebration of the banquet depends upon the preparation. If up to this point we have not made a concerted effort to 
really give ourselves to God. It's never too late. Let's start right now. Let's try to renounce that which extinguishes the light in our lives. Let's look at ourselves honestly. Let's, let's examine our consciences and beg the Lord through the intercession of the Blessed Mother to expel from our lives sin as well as the sinful tendencies. Saint Jerome wanted to give Jesus gifts and Jesus said, well give me your sins so that I'll be able to forgive your sins and give you a new life. So that's the first candle that we can light on our Advent wreath. Second would be the purpose of our coming together every morning in this Perseverance family is specifically for this purpose that we'll be able to support each other by our presence and our prayers and our goodwill that we'll persevere in our spiritual life to the end. My friends, when all is said and done, the only thing that really matters in our life is that we persevere until the end in the state of grace. What that means is that all of us will live holy lives and all of us will receive the grace of all graces. The grace of all graces is to die in the state of grace. There's nothing more important than that. <coughs> so um, let's light that candle bright and give the Lord a good holy hour. Let's give the Lord a good holy hour. Let's give the Lord that hour of prayer every day. We give you our talk. We give you the points. We give you encouragement. It's just a matter of us trying to be faithful to our holy hour. And if we're doing the holy hour, we're faithful, let's try to upgrade it a bit. Upgraded means let's try to improve. We can always improve in our spiritual life. So the third gift that we can offer to the Lord, the, other, the third candle that we can light in our own personal Advent wreath, would be the following. Jesus is known as the Prince of Peace. If it is such that there's maybe a family member, someone in our lives that we are not at peace with, that we're at odds with, that we have a conflict with, that maybe we've had an altercation or a, a very bitter quarrel with this person. Now would be the time to call to mind the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when he said, if you're coming to present your gift, your offering to the altar, and you recognize that someone has something against you, then our Lord says, leave your gift, 
go and be reconciled to your brother and then come back and offer your gift again. That's uh, very important because what Jesus is saying, he wants us tr to try to be try to be reconciled to our brothers and sisters. Now, if it is such that you have made an effort to reconcile to this brother or sister or uncle or aunt or colleague, whoever it might be, which you have done your part. You've done your part. And this person has just coldly rejected your gesture of reconciliation. Well, I mean, you've done your part. You might try once again. And if not directly, it could maybe be an email, a text message, it could maybe be a Christmas card. There are many ways in which we can try to reconcile with our brothers and sisters that have a bone of contention against us. But make that, make that effort. Make that effort. Okay, and then the last lighted candle of, the, of your own Advent wreath would be this. Try to give Mary, the Blessed Mother, a very prominent place in your life the next four to five days. Why? Because Mary will magnify Christ. In her Magnificat, Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So, <coughs> what we're saying here is, the gospel today is the beautiful gospel of the Annunciation. Mary leads us to Christ. Mary is the quickest, shortest, easiest way to Christ. If we want to arrive at the heart of Christ, we, we enter it through the heart of His Blessed Mother. This can be done in many ways. Meditate upon the beautiful virtues of Mary. But also, what Mary really wants from all of you is to pray the rosary every day. But try to go deeper. You might even read through the biblical passages. Because the rosary, my friends, it's a vocal prayer, it's a mental prayer, it's a contemplative prayer, but also the rosary is also, my friends, it is a biblical prayer. And given that we're about to celebrate the birthday of Christ, of course, the, the mysteries that we're meditating upon you can meditate upon the 20 mysteries, but there's a real focus today, as well as this week, on the joyful mysteries. Now, this is going to be easy for you to understand and easy to memorize. Where, where are the five joyful mysteries in the Bible? 
Do you know? Where are the five joyful mysteries in the Bible? Once they tell you, it's going to be easy to, to remember. Okay, the joyful mysteries seen through the eyes of St. Joseph are to be found in Matthew chapter 1 and 2. You have some of the joyful mysteries. But if you want to find the joyful mysteries through the eyes and the heart of Mary, where? In Luke chapter 1 and 2. The Gospel today, the Annunciation, and the Visitation can be found in Luke chapter 1. The birth of Jesus can be found in Luke chapter 2. The presentation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The presentation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ can be found in Luke chapter 2 also. And finally, the, the last joyful mystery the last joyful mystery, which is the finding of the child Jesus in the temple, can be found in Luke chapter 2. So Luke chapter 1 and 2, you have the five joyful mysteries. So I've helped you to light your own Advent wreath by five lights that you can offer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And those five lights are what? Those five lights would be a pure heart by a good confession. Second, try to be faithful to your holy hour. Third, try to reconcile to make peace. What do the angels sing that Noche Buena? They sing glory to God in the highest and peace to people of goodwill. And finally, we want our time of preparation. We want to prepare ourselves through the heart of Mary. No better way in the world to prepare ourselves for the birth of Christ than through the immaculate heart of Mary. So there we have it. Okay, my friends, and Jesus and Mary, as always, Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Sunday for us as Catholics is the very kernel, the very heart of our, of our week. And I repeat, it's a day in which we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we should be singing, this is the day the Lord has made, let us be glad and, re and rejoice in it. Now on Sunday, we have in our Magnificat, in our Sunday Missal, we have three readings. So the three readings today are taken from the Old Testament, 
the book of Samuel. Then we have the second reading, which is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. And then the last reading today is the beautiful reading taken from St. Luke, chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. And we will be meditating upon the beautiful passage of the Annunciation, which is the first joyful mystery. Sometimes that's actually called the Incarnation. The Annunciation is the angel announcing to Mary. The Incarnation is the result of Mary's yes. The result of Mary's yes, then Christ becomes incarnate in the Blessed Virgin Mary. So, that being said, what I'd like to do now is, I'd like to summarize in my own words the first reading. And I invite you all to, to follow the method I'm trying to teach you. It's a, it's a method of meditation that can be very useful for us to really go deeper in our faith and to plumb the depths of the greatness of God in our holy hour. And I suggest five steps. Read, memorize, okay, the general understanding of the passage, then the personal understanding, then the fifth step would be how to put this into practice. So read, memorize, generally understand my own personal understanding, and then we're also called to put into practice, put into practice the riches of the Word of God. So let's take the um, first reading, and you're going to see often on Sunday that there is a parallel between the first reading and the Gospel. In other words, it's going to be the same theme. Often, the Old Testament reading would be what's called biblical typology or a symbol of what becomes a reality in the New Testament, the Gospel. <clears throat> so, that being said, let's go to the reading of Samuel. Okay, here's the context. We encounter King David. And King David has, finally he's arrived at Jerusalem, where he's firmly established. He has the people of God that really love him. He's conquered a lot of his enemies. He's built from himself this house of cedar. So basically everything is going well. Things are going well. In the same time, the Ark of the Covenant, which the people of God would always be taking with them, the Ark of the Covenant, which would be containing some of the sacred elements of the Jewish people. It could maybe the, the tablet of the law, the holy breads of propitiation, 
they would have sometimes uh, the angels' wings. Uh, and where, where, but where would this Ark of the Covenant be placed? Just in a tent. So wherever the people of God would be moving, they're moving from place to place, from Silo, and now they're, they're ending up now in, in Jerusalem. Wherever they would go, they would have this tent. And this would be accompanied by the Jewish priests. The Jewish priests would be the Levites. So, and there would be great respect and reverence for the, for the Ark of the Covenant that was placed in the tent. <clears throat> You're going to see the symbolism between that and our own church. And Mary as being the new Ark of the Covenant. I'm already giving you glimmers of, of, um, of interpretation of the New Testament, how the New Testament is going to be living this out all the more fully. So, David, aware of the fact that he's living in a house with cedar panels, with a roof, with a certain amount of luxury and comfort, then he's looking outside and the Ark of the Covenant is just like, it's just in a tent. And um, we've actually, we're, we, we put up tents outside when we're celebrating these, uh, the Mass. And more than once, a strong gust of wind would actually knock these tents down, showing how very, um, very unstable the whole structure of a, of a tent is. So David is making a comparison. Here I am, a human person, <coughs> and the Ark of the Covenant, which represents God, is in a tent. I'm living in luxury, and God is living in a mere tent that can be blown over by wind. <coughs> Dust and dirt can get into it. So, David is thinking about this. And the David has a spiritual director, and all of us should, all of us should have also a a spiritual director. Who is our spiritual director? Well, it's going to be the Holy Spirit, but we should have a spiritual director to help us interpret how God is working in our lives, how we can really grow in our prayer life, how we can go deeper in our perseverance um, classes. So David had a spiritual director, and it was a prophet. The name of this prophet was Nathan. Nathan was the one that went to David after he killed Uriah and he committed adultery with Bathsheba, giving him the parable of the man with the little sheep. So for years, David would consult this prophet, of the Old Testament, Nathan. So, David, talking with Nathan, says to him, Nathan says, well, do whatever you want. God is with you. So David says, I, I should build, a, I should build a, a beautiful temple for the presence of God. And then God responds to Nathan saying that, look, 
David. Look, David, listen. You are who you are. You, you are where you're at because of me. You are a mere shepherd watching over your sheep. I was the one that anointed you through Samuel. I was the one that helped you to defeat Goliath. I was the one that chose you to replace Saul as the king of Israel. I was the one that helped you to defeat your enemies. I was the one that helped you to receive affirmation, love from the thousands and thousands of Israelites that are underneath your care. I'm the one that protected you from your many enemies, even from your son Absalom, from within and from out. I am the one that has been with you all this time. <clears throat> and what he's going to say is that God is going to say, I will establish your kingdom and dynasty that will last forever and ever. Now, what was God saying? Now, after David would die, right now David's kingdom is the most extensive it's ever been, but when David is about to die, his wife Bathsheba has a son from David named Solomon. And there's a conflict as to who's going to take the kingship. So Nathan and Bathsheba work so that Solomon will be the new king after David. And it happens. So once David lays his eyes in sleep and he passes from this life to the next, Solomon sits on the throne of David and his kingship is firmly established. There was so much order at the beginning of Solomon's kingship that the Queen of Sheba traveled many miles to see the way this kingdom was set up. And when she arrived, she was breathless to see the buildings, the order, the peace, the prayer, the sacrifices, she was just breathless. So it was King Solomon that started the building of what is the Temple of Jerusalem, which took many architects and masons and stone cutters and builders and all the different elements to construct this glorious temple. And once it was built, it was the most beautiful monument in the world. It took many years, but it was under King Solomon that this, this temple was being built. Eventually Solomon is going to die, and then there's going to be years where it seems as if the royalty, the kingship, disappears. But the prophecy of Nathan would be this. 2,000 years ago, a son of David, a son of David's clan, 
Mary and Joseph would come into this world. And the son of Mary would be Jesus. So Jesus is going to be the new, he's going to be the new king. However, many, many of the Jewish people who are awaiting the Messiah, they're awaiting for the Messiah. When Jesus comes and he <coughs> presents himself as the new king, many of the Jewish people were scandalized. Why were they scandalized is because they totally misinterpreted they totally misinterpreted what it meant for Jesus to be king. Why? Because Jesus was not going to be a king with a lot of money and power and luxury, living in a huge palace. That was not the way that our Lord wanted that to come about. Not only that, but he was not going to be living in a palace. He was, what are we going to be celebrating Christmas? Where was he born? He wasn't born in the, the, the royal palace of Solomon. He was born in a cave. He's born underneath the ground. Fulton Sheen says he ought, he ought to be the, ca the patron of the cavemen. <laughs> he rides in triumph on a donkey. In other words, Jesus embraces a totally different lifestyle that many of the Jewish people were expecting. They were expecting someone to come, like Solomon. And they were expecting that this king would have a lot of power to be able to conquer and overthrow the Romans, because the Jewish people, they were subjugated, they were subjugated, subject to the Romans, and they didn't like the Romans at all. So when the prophecy of Nathan is made that his dynasty will last forever, it's true. Because Jesus... Jesus is born in poverty, but Jesus is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. So much so that when the Magi, those three kings, the Magi, the three kings, they're traveling from possibly Persia. They're following the star. They arrive at the palace of King Herod. And they say, where was the newborn king? And finally, when they arrive at the newborn king, seeing him in the arms of Mary, in utter poverty, they recognize that he is the king. These Persian, these pagan kings recognize that even though this little baby is born in poverty, 
he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. You can see them taking off their crowns, bowing down before him, opening up their coffers, presenting Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold was symbolic of giving a gift to a king. Frankincense was symbolic of not only what he was, was he a king, but also he was God. In the myrrh, which was used for the anointing of a dead body, was symbolic of the humanity of Christ that was destined to suffer for us, for our salvation. They did recognize. So that that type of kingship, that dynasty, many of the Jewish people were expecting a powerful king and Jesus was not the king to dominate, to overcome the Romans. But he would be the king of all hearts. And right now, Jesus is in heaven. He's a king. He's the Lord of lords and he's the king of kings. Lord of lords and king of kings. And at the end of the world, at the end of the world, What's going to happen will be Jesus Christ came in poverty and in innocence and in weakness and being vulnerable when he's born in the stable of Bethlehem. We talked about the three comings of Christ. The coming of Christ in incarnation. Then the last coming will be at the end of the time and Christ will be Christ will be a very powerful king then. Yes. Yes, he's going to be a very powerful king. And he's going to be judging the whole universe. He's going to be sitting on a throne. He'll be surrounded by his angels. And we know what it's going to be like if you read Matthew chapter 25. Jesus explains what he's going to be doing at the end of the world as king. On the left, he's going to be placing the goats, and on the right, he's going to be placing the sheep. They're going to be separated, the goats from the sheep. And Jesus, in his dynasty, sitting on his throne, surrounded by the angels, <clears throat> he's going to say this. Well, you heard me say this in the gospel. You heard me. I said... I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was a foreigner and you welcomed me. I was sick and in prison and you came to visit me. When, Lord? And he'll say, Whenever you did it to the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Enter into my Father's kingdom. Then on the left, you'll say to me, Out of my presence, and the, the fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Because I was hungry, you didn't give me to eat. I was thirsty, you didn't give me to drink. I was naked, you didn't clothe me. I was <coughs> a foreigner, you didn't welcome me. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't come to visit me. 
When, Lord, do we see you hungry and thirsty and naked, a foreigner, or sick and in prison? Jesus will say, whenever you fail to do this to the least of my brothers, you fail to do this to me. So what Jesus is saying, he's talking about himself as king who will be coming to judge the living and the dead. The last, the last exam will be, did we love Christ? But did we love Christ through our brothers and our sisters? Yes. Did we love Jesus Christ through our brothers and our sisters? In other words, Jesus Christ is present in many ways. But he's present in his brothers and his sisters. <clears throat> All right, so that is the that is a, a long interpretation of the first reading. Is that David wanted to build a huge house or temple for the Ark of the Covenant that was just traveling with the Israelites for hundreds of years underneath a tent. And what, Jesus, what God said to David is, I will establish my dynasty forever. But his dynasty would be established through the coming of Jesus Christ the King. And him setting up, no, not so much a kingdom of power and might and dominion, but a kingdom of love and peace and joy and harmony. If you like the qualities of the kingdom of Christ, read the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who weep. Blessed are the pure of heart. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for holiness. That's, that's the basic program of the king. How countercultural that is. How countercultural that really is. That is the first reading, my friends. <clears throat> the second reading is taken from the Romans. And the letter of the Romans, my friends, is the most developed letter that St. Paul actually wrote. He wrote this letter, it's called one of the captivity letters. And it's a letter that he wrote uh, when he's actually in prison. Just an interesting note for you, he, he wrote it in prison. It's the Mamertine prison in Rome. Did you know that the Oblate priests, I'm an Oblate of the Virgin Mary, the Oblate priests we have a house over the Mamertine prison. Did you know that? Okay, over the Mamertino. Over the Mamertine uh, prison where St. Paul was, was present, we as oblate priests, we have one of our, hosts, one of our homes in Rome. So St. Paul wrote his most developed theological treatise, Letter to the Romans, 
in uh, in Rome, and a good part of it was written in the Mamertine prison. Now, some of you have seen the movie Saint Paul, and Jim Caviezel was Saint Luke. There you have the last years of Saint Paul up until his decapitation. And uh, I invite you, if you haven't seen that movie of Saint Paul, it came out about about two years ago. I invite you to try to see that, to get to know better and better the reality of the time in which St. Paul lived. The essence of this reading is, is the mystery kept secret for long ages now becomes manifested. What is this secret that has been manifested? The secret is going to be revealed right now. The secret is Jesus Christ. He is going to become manifest. And He it is that will save us. The mystery of God becomes incarnate in the person of Christ. In the person of Christ. So think about it, my friends. And then we enter into the Gospel of the Annunciation. From the time of Adam and Eve, in which Adam and Eve committed original sin, as a result of the original sin of Adam and Eve, the gates, the gates of heaven were closed. That means none of, none of us could go to heaven. The gates of heaven were, were locked shut and the key, the key was thrown away. Nobody could go to heaven. What a tragedy. They call this a moral tsunami that has repercussions until the very end of the world. So the mystery kept secret for long ages has now become manifested in the person of Christ. Because of Jesus, my friends, the gates of heaven have been burst open. And we have access to be with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. So we should be eternally grateful, eternally grateful to Jesus for coming to be with us. And the name Jesus, we enter into the gospel now. The name Jesus that was given to Mary through the Archangel Gabriel. The name Jesus actually means Savior. What did Jesus save us from? <clears throat> he saved us from sadness. He saved us from sin. He saved us from addictions to sin. He saved us from being slaves of the devil. Yes. He saved us also 
from eternal damnation. For that reason, of all the titles, all the titles that we give to Christ, this is Fulton Sheen, how true. All the titles that we can give for Jesus Christ, the Christological titles, the greatest of all the titles is that of Savior. Jesus came to save us. And that brings us, my friends, to the beautiful gospel for the fourth Sunday of Advent. And this gospel is the gospel of the Annunciation, also called the Gospel of the Incarnation. This is a gospel that you've probably heard many times, many times. And by hearing something over and over again, we can become jaded. When they say we can become jaded, it means this. Sometimes we can actually become we can become somewhat indifferent or take for granted. Indifferent or take for granted. For example, the fact that it's been difficult for us maybe to go to Mass, maybe to receive the Eucharist, maybe it's been difficult for us to find a priest so that we can go to confession to the priest, Maybe it's more difficult for us to uh, make Eucharistic adoration because uh, we can't get into the churches because of the pandemic. As a result of this, <clears throat> this can help. This can help us to appreciate the gift of God all the more. So what I'm saying when you read through this gospel and you hear it proclaimed by the priest if you hopefully be able to go to mass in person or go to mass online anyway that um, I really believe that God can give you new and deeper insights than you never had before because the word of God as Paul says it's like a two-edged sword that separates bone from marrow you can read the Word of God over and over again, over and over again. And every time you read the Word of God, there's going to be a different insight that God can give to you, if you're open to God's Word. So, I'm going to pull out two or three golden nuggets from the Annunciation and allow you to to go with it. I'll give you two or three ideas and then allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Remember, I told you, you're reading, try to read, try to memorize, try to understand its meaning, general meaning, try to understand its meaning for you and then Finally, try to apply it to your lives. <clears throat> okay, the first 
The first idea I give you to the, uh, the enunciation is this. Maybe we skip over this. The arch, okay, the archangel Gabriel is sent to Mary. If you follow the Mass yesterday, the Archangel Gabriel was sent to Zechariah. Okay, Zechariah, who is the father of John the Baptist, he doubted. And he was chastised by being mute. Okay, Gabriel, Archangel Gabriel, means power of God. The Archangel Gabriel announces good news. And Mary is disturbed at this greeting. <clears throat> but Mary listens very attentively to the message given to the Archangel Gabriel. So that's the first thing I'd like to lay in, our, in your heart, as well as mine. Let's pray for the grace through the example of Mary and the presence of the Archangel Gabriel. Let's pray for the grace to listen attentively to the way God speaks to us. I repeat. To listen attentively to the way God speaks to us. God is speaking to you now through Father Broom. I'm a priest. I'm preaching. I'm teaching you. Listen attentively to the ways in which God speaks to us. And God is going to be speaking to you through the reading of the Gospel of the Annunciation. And he's going to give he's going to give a lot of you, I really believe, certain insights that you never had before. Speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. The second point is Mary after dialoguing with the Archangel. The angel says that she's going to have a child. Mary says, how can this happen because she has no relations with man? Mary has made a vow of virginity. And the angel says it's going to be coming about through the power of the Holy Spirit. through the overshadowing, the power of the Holy Spirit. You can spend a long time in meditating upon the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit related to the Blessed Virgin Mary. We say, Holy Mary, Mother of God. Now, Mary and the Holy Spirit St. Louis de Montfort, in his classic True Devotion to Mary, 
says, those who love Mary, the Holy Spirit flings himself into those souls. So you, by loving Mary, the Holy Spirit will come into your life much more powerfully. Ever see a, a Frisbee? Whew. Ever throw a Frisbee? Zoom! So the Holy Spirit comes powerfully into Mary, can come powerfully into your life. <coughs> So maybe, maybe as a result of your meditating upon the Annunciation, Mary the Angel, now the Holy Spirit, maybe your relationship to the Holy Spirit is somewhat nebulous, it's not clear, you pray very little to the Holy Spirit, you don't really seem to know who the Holy Spirit is. You notice whenever I start our, our Perseverance family, our, our conversation, I always start by praying to Mary. Then I spend about two minutes actually singing to the Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me, fall afresh on us. I'm purposely asking the Holy Spirit to be with us so that he'll give us a lot of light in our intellect. The Holy Spirit will give us uh, a, lot of, a lot of joy within our hearts, a lot of joy, because this is a joyful season. And also that the Holy Spirit will give us the fire of his divine love in, it, in our hearts. So I'm just pulling out three golden nuggets Mary listening very attentively to the Archangel Gabriel. We're called to listen to God, how he speaks to us. The second is Mary's intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. She conceives Christ through the overshadow of the Holy Spirit. What about us? What about us? And the last point I really believe is important for us. Is Mary says yes to God. She says yes to God. She says, Behold, I am, yes, I behold, I am the handmaid, the servant of the Lord. Be it done to me according to your word. What I'd like to highlight here is the following. It's the universal call to holiness, but the universal call to happiness. Yes. The universal call to holiness and the universal call to happiness. Especially in the season of Advent and Christmas season, it's a, it's a season of great happiness, of great joy. So what does Mary teach us? Very clearly, if we want to, my friends, if we want to attain in our lives true joy, true happiness, not to be confused with pleasure, with sensual pleasure, we want to attain 
true joy, joy to the world, that song, true joy, true happiness, Mary teaches us the way. And how? By imitating Mary, by saying yes to God. Mary's, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord, be done to me according to thy word. Then we will experience great, great joy. So you see, my friends, the first reading, David wants to build the house of God. Who is the house of God? Mary. Yes. The type of the Old Testament, Mary becomes the house of God. Mary becomes the Ark of the Covenant. Mary becomes the true tabernacle of God. You also, my friends, through baptism and through Holy Communion, you also are a living tabernacle of God. So, my friends, this is the day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. I'll be praying for you in my Masses today. You pray for me. The Lord be with you. Through the intercession of Mary and her yes to God, may God bless you with a lot of joy today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code BREADBOX at checkout for 20% off at catholicsingles.com.